Chief Wiggum. We could never have survived our first year in the New World without you. I, uh... <laughs> Almost regret what we Europeans are going to do to you. What, what are you going to do? Oh, give you the biggest slice of pumpkin pie. Also, we're going to take your land and wipe you out. Who wants whipped topping? Oh, let's go. You stuffed, Paulicious? Yeah, I'm stuffed. Are you feeling okay? Oh, all that Thanksgiving food, and we're still doing the sports cubicle because we're four crazy and wild dudes. Yeah, well, we still had to work this weekend. Yeah, I know. Management, we're working overtime. He's going to be really, really mad, but he won't be in tomorrow. It's it's such a glorious day. I might actually bring leftovers to everyone tomorrow. Overtime holiday pay. Just take my food, Paul. And, you know, I'm having a lot of Thanksgiving PTSD, and I'm, I could also be having purple PTSD, but not the kind of purple PTSD I had from that Grimace shake, you know, where you're having purple diarrhea. Is that too much, Paul? Uh, yeah, that is too much, and I think you're referring to Kyle Jowdry with uh, purple PTSD who joins Mike Mercado to preview the Bears-Vikings game tomorrow night. And that game might be Purple Diarrhea, too. And, of course, you had Lee Steinberg on. Yeah, Lee Steinberg to uh, the famous sports agent to talk about Shohei Otani and the free agent market, as well as a little bit about his background. And uh, stay tuned. I think he said that he's probably the reason that Fox does sports. Didn't come out directly and say that, but listen closely. Later on in the show, uh, we'll talk about that and then... Uh, it's Thanksgiving, so why not draft uh, what we're going to eat for Thanksgiving? We already ate it, Paul. I know, but we we recorded it beforehand, so happy Thanksgiving, everyone. CM Punk is back. Mercado, take it away. The good times keep on rolling here on the Sports Cubicle. I'm Mike Mercado. Paul Shivari, as always, joining me. And this has been one of those great times in the Sports Cubicle where Christmas and all the other holidays are coming early because we keep getting these gifts that we don't deserve. Paulie, you played Santa Claus this time. What do you have for the amazing colleagues around the water cooler here at the Sports Cubicle? Well, our guest today is someone that has uh, represented a record eight NFL first overall picks, 64 first round picks. He's dealt with billions and billions of dollars of contracts and has raised over a billion dollars. That's billion with a B if for charity. Uh, we're talking today to sports agent Lee Steinberg. Lee, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So you're credited as being the inspiration for the movie Jerry Maguire, famous for uh, Tom Cruise back in 1996. I wanted to know what was the, the correlation? And, and, and we should note that we saw in the background, it looks like a picture of you, Cuba Gooding Jr. and Tom Cruise. So it seems like a very legitimate claim to be the inspiration. <clears throat> So in 1993, a film director and writer, Cameron Crowe, called me up and asked if he could follow me around to gain atmosphere for a picture that would be based on a sports agent. So he came with me to the NFL draft in 1993, where I had Drew Bledsoe as the first pick. He came up to the press conference with uh, Bill Parcells in Boston. He came to the league meetings where I was showing off a free agent named Tim McDonald. He came with me to pro scouting day at USC. He came to a series of games, my Super Bowl party, and spent time in my office. And I told him stories, lots and lots of stories. And he went off and wrote a script. And then I was technical advisor. So my job was to make sure the willing suspension of disbelief that holds you in the motion picture. The dialogue's not phony. The look on the set's not phony. Got preserved. And then he gave uh, me a young actor in Cuba Gooding Jr. to take with me to the Super Bowl in Phoenix. And he had to pretend he was a wide receiver for a whole week and my client. And so he hung out with Amani Toomer and, uh, and Desmond Howard. Um, I actually had to show the quarterback in the film played by Jerry O'Connell how to throw a spiral because he had gone to NYU and they didn't have football there. So um, it's been 25 years. I mean, it was uh, until the blind side, the top grossing sports theme film. Um, and I've rarely gone to an airport or out to dinner where someone didn't run up and either ask me to say or say to me the four words and start with show me the. Yep. Yep. Money. Yep. <laughs> 
let me ask you this, like, because it's it's one of these things. Whenever we do the top list of sports movies, whatever, everybody wants to talk about uh, uh, North Dallas, Texas, or they want to talk about uh, Remember the Titans. I always claim Jerry Maguire, and it's more about I love behind the scenes. I love that sometimes the truth is stranger than fiction. So with that in mind, are there any times when you were watching or living your real life where you're like, I can't believe that this is actually happening, this moment with this said client or this said team owner, that this is actual reality that we're living in? Is there any moment that you look back and be like, I can't believe this is actual true to the bone stuff that happened that Hollywood cannot write in your career? So in 1975, I was a young lawyer. And Steve Bartkowski, who uh, lived in my uh, dorm when I was a dorm counselor, uh, became the first pick overall in the draft. And so he asked me to represent him. There really wasn't organized sports agency then. So we fly back to Atlanta. And I've grown up in Los Angeles and went to school at Berkeley, where we keep sports in perspective. So we arrive at the airport and there are key lights flashing in the sky like for a movie premiere. A huge crowd is pressed up against the police line. And the first thing we hear is we interrupt the Johnny Carson show, uh, Light News, to bring you a special news bulletin. Steve Bartkowski and his attorney have just arrived at the Atlanta airport. We switch you live for an in-depth interview. Um, That was pretty unreal. And it showed me how communities venerated athletes and saw them as the movie stars and celebrities. Um, I There was another time where Warren Moon and I had gone through years and years and years of uh, lawyer and client, 23 years. And he asked me to present him at the Hall of Fame. And um, so I gave the presenting speech and we had been together for so long and he became the first African-American quarterback to in the modern era to enter the Hall of Fame. That was pretty special. Or um, Steve Young is in Joe Montana's shadow for years and years, and he can't get recognized for his own achievements. So he throws six uh, passes touchdown passes in the Super Bowl in Miami against the Chargers. And I run down off on the field and he says, the monkey's off my back, the monkey's off my back. So, yeah, there have been some moments. What do you think about the modern day athlete? I think the influence of people like you, athletes and the executives and other lawyers and just people with the common goal have really changed the way the modern what we would consider the modern day for the kids that are watching and now how all athletes and businesses done. What are you, what are your thoughts, your feelings, kind of your emotions when you see athletes today, the guys that let's just say, for example, Luka Doncic to Joe Burrow, who, who knows what the limit is for these young men and women. And and now we're seeing it in college sports for women, right? Like that it's endless now to see what the opportunities are. What are your thoughts about how it's grown and changed for the modern athlete, the modern agents, the modern firm in the world we're living in this sports age? Well, the first thing is how they receive information. So years ago, athletes used to read newspapers, they would watch uh, network television, and today everything comes over the internet. So it's all over the social platforms. So they grow up with with, um, probably attenuated attention span because it's multitasking with the color and light and computer screens and and nil has completely revolutionized um the whole uh younger athlete scene because now you have athletes at uh, 12 or 13 being recognized pointed out and they're doing a website and they're creating content that can be monetized and they're branding themselves and so this is uh, uh, totally new. Um, the the fact that collectives of alums at different colleges are now raising money that can be used in recruiting. So instead of uh, a player coming to school on scholarship, uh, uh, Michigan or or Alabama or or SC. Um, 
can tell a young player, come to our school and we'll guarantee you $10 million in endorsements. Um, that's a radical change also. So, um, and the economics are, are, are not close. If, if Rip Van Winkle had uh, gone to sleep in 1975 and awoken in uh, 2023 and seen Stadia with jumbo scoreboards and, uh, and uh, naming rights and um, 40 million people playing fantasy football and the fact that you can go to the Washington Commanders Stadium and place a bet. Um, I mean, these are all things that wouldn't could never happen. Holly. So right now we're in the Major League Baseball offseason, and every offseason there seems to be the hyperbole of this is going to be the biggest free agent signing season that we've ever heard. But this year it doesn't feel like hyperbole because Shohei Otani is now a free agent. It's the first two-way player that baseball has seen in such a long time and might win his uh, uh, second MVP award in a couple of days here. Um, with his uh, potential offseason here, he's going to be courted by so many different teams, and he's probably going to land one of the largest contracts in sports history. What are your thoughts about what he's going to do this offseason and what teams need to do to try and entice him into signing with them? Well, first of all, we've really never seen anything like this. Babe Ruth played two positions, but to have a player dominate both as a pitcher and an everyday player is unprecedented. Now, had he not been hurt and injured his pitching arm in a way where he won't pitch next year, clearly this would be the breakthrough contract in history. And if Mike Trout has 426 million, it would be bigger. He's a little older than than uh, Trout was when he signed his contract. So I think they'll figure out a way to to have him at level A while he's playing everyday position and level B a higher level of compensation when he's playing and when he's back to pitching again. But look, nobody's ever had this type of appeal. A team can sell 15,000 extra tickets a game because he's such a phenomenon. He's handsome. He's learning English. He's uh, unblemished behaviorally. He's uh, and and people want to come and see him pitch. It reminds me when I was a kid, it was Sandy Koufax in Los Angeles that people came to see. But you're going to get a guaranteed revenue flow with deals with Japan um, that the team would make with uh, 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 marketing and sponsorship um, and with extra attendance. So in addition to everything else, if it were simply that he dominates the two positions, it'd be enough to give him a record-breaking contract. Add in all the extras and revenue opportunities for a team and the fact that you're having competition. Um, so if all of a sudden uh, uh, Dodgers and Padres and Giants and Yankees and Cubs are in it, among other things, those are the three biggest cities in America with the most capacity. It will be uh, an amazing bidding war. Now, he's been pretty clear he wants to win. And so... I think you have to look for a team where they've got a viable chance to make it through the playoffs and to the World Series. Lee, it's interesting because we're here in Chicago, and obviously the rumors are all bubbling up about Shoei Otani, but one thing that you could count on Chicago sports fans is the disdain for the ownership and whether or not they open up their pockets. And I think it's interesting now that we have this unicorn, right, in Shoei Otani, but with all the specialization going on in youth sports and just the way these athletes are becoming the at their prime so early and, and all the nutrition and science, I think we're getting to a point now where Messi was this close, or I even think he did with, with Miami, enter Miami of getting ownership stake on the club. And we're seeing with, with Saudi Arabia and some of these other foreign countries that are trying to make big bids in their sports. 
in American sports, the NFL, Major League Baseball, the National Hockey League, any of the, any of the major four, whichever one you want to go with, do you think there's ever going to be that star athlete, the Mahomes, to the next level, the Shohei Otani, even to the next level of that, that will get claim of ownership in an American sports team? So one of the goals I have for second career with athletes is could they be owners? And Warwick Dunn, the former running back with Tampa Bay and Atlanta, owns a small piece of the uh, of the uh, of the Atlanta Falcons, and so and we did it with Jerron Cherry and the Jacksonville Jaguars and Ray Childress and the other team. So I think that is the next breakthrough. Um, and we already have athletes who are taking percentages and equity in a number of different businesses they do endorsements with. So, yes, I think that ultimately you could uh, get there, um, but the and have player as owner. But I think that at this level, they're probably focused on how much cash would come in the next 10 years. Lee Steinberg joins us here on the Sports Cubicle. It's Paul Shavari. I'm Mike Mercado. Paulie, I want to throw it to you in just a second, too. But I want to also make a reminder, if you're watching us on YouTube at Sports from the Couch, the Sports Cubicle, there's an amazing background that our friend here has already shown us some of his pictures. And I want to see one more thing before we get him out of here. But Paulie, go ahead and uh, what, what do you got for our friend? Oh, well, so when you were talking about just uh, potential ownership being part of the negotiation, has that been some of the largest pushback that you've received in these negotiations with organizations? Or is there, you know, obviously organizations don't want to part with too much money, so it's a back and forth. But what has been some of the biggest hurdles that you needed to clear as an agent trying to get your client the best deal? Um, <laughs> it's all about leverage. So the question is, the real breakthroughs come when you have someone approaching free agency, approaching that point. Now, in football, they preemptively sign players, so the best players never really become free agencies as they do in basketball and baseball. Um, so you're not going to see a starting quarterback at the top of his game going through free agency. He'll be preemptively signed. I think the concept of of uh, equity and and ownership um, is something there'd be real pushback on, because uh, commanders just sold for over six billion dollars, and um, and then what would you do with that stake? If you're a retired player, you could be part of the organization, but the point is, unless there's a sale or unless you have a structure that would give you a percentage of profits, it's pretty difficult. Are you part of these, or have you been part of any of these TV deals that go down with the NBA, the NHL, NFL, MLB? Are you there when you're hearing some of the, the big wigs at Disney or Fox talking with some of these commissioners and owners and how turbulent of, of, of a thing it is because right now it's one of these things that's become not even inside baseball anymore but tv rights that everybody's looking for the tv rights or are they going to be moving to streaming we just saw with thursday night football on amazon uh does that still intrigue you is that something that's still it's kind of that another new age of revenue that's to be coming in where these tv deals are just unbelievable so what you have are what's called lost leader bidding which is it's the same concept if a drugstore in um, Chicago offered a, a, a ice cream cone for 25 cents. The whole goal is to get you in the store so you buy a number of different things. They won't make a profit on the ice cream. And it's the same way with the diversity and hundreds of competing channels. How does a network get any focus on its Monday through Friday broadcast. So back in um, uh, years ago, I gave a party at the Super Bowl um, on the back lot of 20th Century Fox and Rupert Murdoch came. And I said to him, Rupert, you're not, um, your Fox network is a bunch of test patterns late at night with a big Indian and uh, nobody's really watching 21 Jump Street and Beverly Hills 90210. 
But if you will bid on NFL football, then every Sunday you can throw the promos for your Monday through Friday broadcasting and the bottom line of your network will go up. And so you have to do a different type of economics. And that's what the NFL has done and baseball has done and brilliantly. So right now, it's not about whether or not you can get ads that will recoup your uh, uh, rights fee bid. It's about whether or not the bottom line effect is to add value to your network. And so it's an amazing time that way. Well, years ago, I realized that the whole battle between uh, agents and owners and teams wasn't really helpful. Because if you have a, a negotiation for a player and he's complaining he's only making $8 million instead of 14 that just pushes fans away. And if you have collective bargaining that features millionaires against billionaires, that just puts pushes fans away. What we got to be about is building the brand. So instead of uh, you and I, having public acrimonious negotiations. Let's work together to see if we can blow out the TV contract, if we can have stadia that have ancillary revenue streams, that we can set up a NFL network or Major League Baseball. So I realized early on, if I wanted to get players well compensated, owners needed to make record-breaking profits. So it's a different way of looking at the uh, business. But uh, the point is that that so much energy spent in self-destruction. The real battle, let's say if you're the NFL, is not labor versus management. It's a battle with Major League Baseball and, and the NBA and uh, Walt Disney World and uh, Home Box Office and Netflix and every other form of discretionary entertainment spending. Paul, you want to bring us home with our last question? Because I could do this all day. We still got to find out what's going on with uh, that President Obama picture behind us, speaking of Chicago, right? Paul, <laughs> uh, the last question, because this has been absolutely amazing. Well, before we let you go, Lee, I wanted to give you a chance to highlight your philanthropic efforts. Um, you know, I'm reading that you've worked with Children Now, Children's Miracle Network, a lot of children's charities. And I, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to kind of speak about that and if there was anything that you were working on currently. So um, one of the things I've worked on in the past is is something to push back against skinheads, racism, anti-Semitism. And it was a training program where I trained uh, young volunteers in how to help local police departments, how to uh, intervene in crisis situations, how to uh, promote ethnic uh, tolerance. And so that's something that I'm resurrecting. We have Sporting Green Alliance, which takes sustainable technology and wind, solar, recycling, resurfacing, and water uh, to stadia, arena, and practice fields um, to drop carbon emissions and energy costs and transform them into new um, educational platforms where you can see a waterless urinal, see a solar panel. And I've discovered a new set of modalities in health and uh, wellness which can stimulate athletic performance uh, in critical situations, can uh, return the player to service quicker. And it's hyperbaric oxygen and stem cells and blue, white, and red light and nanov and cognitive treatments. And I continue to work on the concussion issue always. Lee, you're one of our favorite guests. I could already put that on there. And I could tell you the people of Chicago are going to be ecstatic to hear this and we're going to make sure that we post all over the socials all the places that they could support you they could follow you on the socials websites and whatnot because not only are you an intriguing person you're a fun conversation but you are one of these people that is just intriguing to watch all the great work that you have done and the work that your team is doing and the story that you all tell now before we let you go for the people watching the video What's going on with former president? Uh, you know what? I assume you've met President Obama. How many presidents have you met? Um, well, yeah, I think have, about it. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> oh, I told you, Ronald, Ronald Reagan, I met when he was governor of California. I met the older George Bush. I sat at a Dallas Cowboy game with him. 
Bill Clinton, um, o- Obama. I've met uh, President Trump when he was the owner of the New Jersey uh, uh, Blue Devils. I've met Joe Biden, um, uh, quite a few of them. You're amazing. Polly, bring us home. That's really impressive, Lee. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, We could do this for hours and hours, but we want to thank you for your time today. You've been very helpful, very informative, and just quite a career. It's uh, very, very inspirational to, to see what you've been up to. Thank you, guys. Good luck. We got more Thank coming you. up next here on the Sports Cubicle. He's Paul Shavari. I'm Mike Mercado. Are you a Care Bear? I'm an intensive Care Bear. Why does a bear need a crowbar? Eh, I don't like to get my hands dirty. We keep things rolling here on this holiday weekend on the Sports Cubicle. I'm Mike Mercado, and we have a very special treat for all you football fans. We always are just going on and on and on about the Chicago Bears. We're complaining about Matt Eberflus. We're wondering what's going on with Ryle Poles. And funny enough, we have somebody here who knows a little bit about Kevin Warren and about the Chicago Bears' next opponent, the Minnesota Vikings, the Josh Dobbs left Minnesota Vikings. He is joining us from Purple PTSD. He is Kyle Chowdhury. And I think I said it right the first time, but we still have a lot of episode left to mess it up. Kyle, welcome to the show, brother. You nailed it. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, so... A crazy season, I think, for both sides of the NFC North, right? Like we're seeing what's going on with Detroit. We saw the fallout of that game between the Bears and the Lions in Justin Fields' comeback. But really fast, before we get to the Monday night matchup, your thoughts on what you've been seeing going on in the lakefront of Chicago, over at Hallis Hall, over at Soldier Field. What are the thoughts going on in Vikings country on the Monsters of the Midway? Yeah, so I think there's some fascination with Chicago um obviously given the nfc north connection but then you know ryan poles was in consideration for the vikings general manager position and ended up opting for chicago and instead the vikings end up going coicido for mensa which i think most vikings fans i think are pleased with you know he's got his infamous competitive rebuild where he's trying to kind of thread the needle not entirely strip things down uh still be competitive while kind of rebuilding on the fly and whether or not he'll be successful is, you know, remains to be seen. There's been good things and bad things going on. You know, meanwhile, Ryan Poles has has done the, the teardown, right? And and so that's been kind of fascinating to see uh, just insofar as Poles could have been the dude. You know what I mean? He could have been the main guy in Minnesota and came quite close, or at least he was in consideration. The rumors were that, and the reports were that Minnesota was impressed by him. And then Chicago ended up swooping in and snagging him. So I think there's been, from the outside looking in at least, there's been some confusion at times about the decisions he's made, such as like trading for Claypool. And then even the trade recently for Montez Sweat was interesting. Uh, I mean, he's a good player, great defensive ends. He's going to help you guys. Um, but a little bit of confusion at times and, and fascination, uh, just given that kind of history there. So I think you might have the same kind of mindset that I have when it comes to trying to get into the minds of the front office and the coaches. And I think while the Bears coaches might be on the hot seat, I don't think the same is going on in Minnesota. And then this Kirk Cousins injury happens, right? Justin Jefferson is out. This is a team that lost Dalvin Cook. Like This is a nice team, all that in spite of going on. And then they make this trade for Dobbs, right? And I'm Mm -hmm. wondering, over here for the Bears, when the Montez Sweat trade happened, a lot of us assume – well, they're going to spend money. They're looking towards the future and they're trying to not look bad after that Claypool trade that they look scared, that they're scared yeah. about to make that move, right? What was sure. Minnesota? What do you think their mindset, the front office was when they made that trade to grab a QB who was maybe not winning games in Arizona, but putting up some mm-hmm. numbers? But this was a guy that was cut from Cleveland and has been around the league. What was the mindset yep. going on for Viking fans, people covering the team after that move? Yeah, I mean, Dobbs is a bit of a journeyman, as you're saying. You know, originally, I think he was a fourth rounder from the Steelers, and it's kind of bounced around the league a little bit. Um, so with Kevin O'Connell, you basically need you know like two prerequisites to be his quarterback, and if you don't have these two things, you cannot play quarterback for Kevin O'Connell. You have to have good accuracy, and you have to be really smart. And so those are kind of two key criteria for the head coach. Uh, and so I think in Dobbs, they saw somebody who has those things. And, you know, keep everyone's focused on Kirk Cousins, and that makes sense. I mean, Cousins legitimately 
was playing really phenomenal football. I know in week six, you didn't see it. When he went to Soldier Field, he had a poor game. The Vikings always play poor at Soldier Field. It's like a house of horrors. It's, it's not a good spot for Minnesota to play. Uh, but Cousins have been playing excellently. But keep in mind, Nick Mullins, the primary backup, he was injured as well. He was on the IR. And then Jaron Hall ended up getting hurt in that Atlanta game. Right? So the Vikings were really in a tough spot quarterback-wise. And so when they swung that deal for Dobbs, it was really, I think, in the hopes of getting uh, a veteran dude who'd been around, seen some stuff, super smart, to be the main backup to Jaron Hall, who's their fifth-round rookie, who they legitimately do really like. But then Hall ends up getting injured in that first quarter against Atlanta. And, you know, the NFL world has kind of been a little bit stunned by what Dobbs has been able to do, as well as I think, you know, the Vikings organization itself has been a bit stunned because Dobbs has done probably far better than anyone could have anticipated. Um, so it's the brains, it's the athleticism, and then the area he doesn't get enough credit for is the toughness. Like, dude will hang in there, make a play, try and pick up the first down with his legs. Um, really, he's been he's been a very nice ad. Looking into this game on Monday night, I'm looking at it at this. If you're that Minnesota offense, you're going to attack this cover too, and I feel like TJ Hawkinson, healthier or not at 80%, is going to eat up just going to eat up and we're going to see what happens with Jordan Addison, but I think that's where they're going to attack. And Dobbs has a chance to get out of the pocket and again, eat up a bunch of yards, take up a bunch of mm-hmm. this clock. But if, if from where you guys are watching this, how do you see the Vikings attacking the bears and more specifically, Justin Fields? And what are you worried about? If you're watching the Vikings and bears offense, what are you worried about the bears and Justin Fields doing to this uh, Vikings yeah. defense? Yeah. So I mean, so Fields, he's a, He's a really gifted player. Uh, the concern with him is always his legs, as well as, you know, he could throw some Paris as well. DJ Moore is a sneaky, talented dude, and he's sneaky, strong as well. Um, you know, if you were drafting, like, an all-NFC North team and you're in 11 personnel, DJ Moore would be one of your receivers. You know, he, he's he's really a fantastic player. That, that trade from Ryan Poles, that one makes sense. Like, give your young QB a legit WR1. Um, and so there's concern there, I think, uh, in that he's a pretty strong dude. He's a great receiver. There's concern with Cole Komet. You know, in recent games, the Vikings have struggled a bit defensively to handle some size along the outside. Larger wide receivers getting tight ends flexed out to the, to the boundary. Um, so you kind of worry a little bit. And then Mooney. Mooney's really quick, you know, and you get those few running backs move well. Now, in week six, Chicago found some success in the ground. You guys did a pretty all right job, and it was just kind of unfortunate that Fields got hurt. You end up going to uh, UDFA, uh, Bajan. Uh, you know what? Honestly, it was a gutsy performance, so give the dude credit. Really, really gutsy effort. But with Fields, I would think they might try and spy him a little bit with Ivan Pace. Jordan Hicks, their main linebacker, is injured now, you know, alongside the various other injuries. So they might try and spy him a bit, kind of cage him up, the run defense has come a long, long way with Brian Flores at the helm. So I would assume the emphasis is going to be on trying to limit the damage on the ground and then force fields to, you know, to do it through the air. And we'll see if they're successful or not because it's easier said than done. Kyle Jodry joins us here on Purple. PTSD is where you can find it. We are here on the Sports Cubicle. Uh, you are doing some great work up north. And when I mean up north, not just Minnesota, but you're up north, north, and you are uh, bringing the heat. And this is where I, I am fascinated about the whole Minnesota-Chicago connection. We just saw the Detroit and the Bears matchup where Ben Johnson might be in play for a Bears head coaching position mm, in the next mm-hmm. few months, right? Kevin Warren. Big 10, we know how he handled that, but Minnesota, thoughts from a Vikings perspective, covering the team, watching the team, liking the team, working with the team, all this. Kevin Warren, been pretty silent here for the Bears, but respected, and you guys have a beautiful stadium up north, all you Vikings fans. What were the thoughts when the Bears made this out-of-house signing, this new guy in charge, and it was Kevin Warren? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, as you said, U.S. Bank Stadium is um, remarkable. I don't know if you've been, but it is just, it lives up to the hype. Uh, to, to my mind, at least, I think it's incredible. And so it's certainly, this was one where it's, when you saw the name, uh, it certainly caused Vikings folks to perk up a bit, given that connection. You mentioned the Big Ten as well. Um, so it's always kind of interesting, the uh, the NFC North stuff, when you see kind of, 
things happening within the North. I mean, if you're a Vikings fan, you're primarily thinking the trades that Quasi has pulled off with NFC North teams, you know, the draft day trades with the Lions and the Packers and then getting Hawkinson. So those have kind of been the things that have on Vikings fans' minds when it comes to kind of this interdivision stuff. Um, but as you said, yeah, Kevin Warren has that connection with the Vikings and seems to be well respected. Um, so it is fascinating. And then US Bank Stadium it is remarkable. Uh, so simply to note, the only real thoughts I have, not particularly satisfying, just that it is fascinating that it kind of made the leap. Um, and I'm really, and again, I'm fascinated to see where Chicago is going here. It's it's very, very, there's some interesting ties between two organizations right now. I could do this all day, Kyle. I'm so glad we were able to hook up and talk about a fun matchup, but more importantly, make this connection. And we can make sure while there's a rivalry on the field, there doesn't have to be one off the field. And we can make sure all sides get to hear and digest awesome football knowledge. Before we let you go, uh, where can everybody find all your work? I've been mentioning Purple PTSD, but you're all over the world. We see your work. You're doing podcasts. Uh, I was listening to it on YouTube. Give it the people in here, Chicago, all the details. Shill, my friend, shill. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking for a purple perspective, you could, you know, head over to purpleptsd.com. That's where I do most of uh, most of my writing shows up there. Uh, Vikings territory as well. Get some of that writing. Uh, the podcast is Nose from the North. That is uh, a playoff, the whole NFC North, but also me being Canadian. Uh that's basically it. You know, Notes from the North podcast, the Vikings territory, PTSD. I'm on Twitter, uh, for better or for worse, <laughs> there at Vikings Gazette. Uh, so for some reason, you still like social media, you can find me on there. Uh, but otherwise, I got nothing else to plug. All right. We got three quick ones then before you leave. Sure. Do the Vikings make the playoffs? Yes or no? Yes. It's Justin Fields to start a quarterback for the Chicago Bears next season. That's a tough one. Let me say yes. Do the Minnesota Vikings win on Monday Night Football. Yes, they do. Yeah, sorry. Kyle Jaldry, you're amazing, brother. Thank you so much for your time. Of course. We thank you for making us a part of your holiday weekend. And if you're not celebrating that holiday, we are just grateful to be part of your weekend here on the Sports Cubicle. It's Paul Shavari, It's Devin Tingle. I'm Mike Mercado. And we are fat and full and stuffed full of turkey and other delicious entrees. But here on the Sports Cubicle, we have one more treat one more plate on the fridge that we want to give you all here around the water cooler paulie what are we doing on this edition of the sports cubicle well we're going to get corny this year and we're going to roll out the cornucopia of uh, radio cliches and do a Thanksgiving draft. It's draft day! I think Paul just confirmed his first draft pick is corn. <laughs> and there you go, right into the inside. Let's say it's corn song in there. So let's let's go over the quick rules on this. We're really loose on the restrictions here. This does not have to be a traditional Thanksgiving. You know, if someone wants to bring something crazy to the table, by all means. But no one can take the same exact thing. There's different ways to make turkey. If you've got a unique way that you do it, you can have turkey. No one claims ownership over the entire bird. Uh, Everyone has to pick an entree, so like the main course, the potato, how they're going to do it. Side one, side two, uh, dessert and an activity. I love it. Very simple, very nice, and everybody has their traditions, and this is why this is going to be very fun, because we have a little bit of a mixture of all different types of ways we celebrate Thanksgiving, and I think it's really cool if you don't celebrate Thanksgiving. We want to know on the comments section, whether it's on Twitter at Sports Cubicle TV, whether it's on YouTube at The Sports Cubicle, or of course, if you're following us on Spotify and on SoundCloud at WCPT 820, if you don't do this, the traditional type of feast on this day, if you don't celebrate at all, do you do something special? Do you eat pizza? Do you do Chinese food? Are you finding something else? We want to know. Make sure you leave a comment down below because we make sure that we're all so sold in our plates this weekend. So the number one pick has been decided. And in a very secret meeting down in the Caribbean, we have found the pick. And Paulie has walked away with it. We don't know who he bribed, how many judges that he had to pay off, but he did end up with the number one pick. He's the saddest sack. <laughs> there you go. Wow. Well, <laughs> Collusion. With the, with the first pick of the 2023 Thanksgiving draft. I'm going with the old standard homemade 
from Real Pumpkin, Pumpkin Pie. What a wonderful pick. I think it's a very strong pick. I think this is something that has been scouted for a long time on a lot of people's menus, and it also just goes to show how far uh, Sweet Tooth will take a individual. And once again, the pick is, Paul? Homemade from a Real Pumpkin, Pumpkin Pie. Wonderful, wonderful. And I have the second pick. The second pick is in... It is an oven roasted turkey. How do you go away from the old reliable? This is a Heisman winner. This is an MVP. This is something that's going to establish the franchise. This is why we do the dang thing. It is why it leads the Macy's Day Parade. I am going with an oven roasted turkey. Wow, I didn't think he'd go traditional. He just drafted Eli Manning. That's so disrespectful. What about Philip Rivers and his 10 kids? Devin, you're up with the third and fourth pick. Hold up, hold up on the phone with Marver. That's right. You get my third round pick and you give me a DJ Moore rookie card. I guess not. Okay. Oh, man. Third overall pick here. Jeez. First is the worst. Second is the best. I don't know what the third is. I'm going to go with uh, stuffing. Stuffing. Ooh. All right. What, what kind of stuffing? Oh, we're getting picky on yes, stuffing yes, now. Yes. Yes. Actually, yes. Didn't wasn't that in the text? It's I very much in the rule book. Because uh, cornbread stuffing's different from like a regular traditional stuffing, I'll or go maybe you're stuffing. Exactly. Or maybe you're a stovetop. Are you are you making stuffings. it? Or, are you making stuffing? Or are you buying stovetop? Making. Making. Oh, Ooh. Homemade okay. Stuffing. Homemade traditional stuffing. I love it. That's a. G- very, very interesting pick. That's was a it, big pick. I wonder if this is the wide receiver people were worried about. I wonder if this was the attitude issue type of player, but it is making its way onto Devin's roster as the third pick, the traditional. Stopping, yeah. Let's go with your fourth pick. Oh, fourth pick. Jeez, I'm going to draft Blake Bortles here. Uh, yeah, let's do this right, too, though. Still have an entree, a potato, one side, a dessert, and an activity. I'm going to go with sweet potato. I'll take a sweet potato That's right here. Big. Sweet potato for the potato. Wow. Going with some, I'm, I'm surprised the first four picks have been really traditional picks. That was a strong pick from Devin, though. I think that was one of those like sneaky, kind of gets a couple things done in one pick. I am going to have a little fun with this one. So I know why Paul thought I was going to go traditional because, of course, as a Latino, I asked, do we have to do the very traditional what you see on the Hallmark Channel Thanksgiving meal course? And Paul, being the wonderful commissioner he is, he said, no, it's open to whatever your meal is. So that is why with my second pick with the side entree, I'm going to go with tamales. Tamales. Tamales as a side entree. You talk about the holiday season really beginning. It doesn't start until Abuelita starts making those tamales, and it's only twice a year where you get the homemade, traditional, delicious side, and it is Thanksgiving and Christmas. And guess what, my friends? We are in the season. Tamales are my second pick. Polly? Wow. Curious, what do they stuff with in your house, if you don't mind me asking? It depends. Sometimes it's just beans, and sometimes it's just cheese. It's pork, it's chicken, and with love. Hoping for a turkey tamale, (laughs) like you really out there. I love it. I was hoping to see tamales on the list. All right, so I got to get it out of the way. I got to get my entree. I also wanted to do turkey, but I'm deep frying the turkey. Nice. So have any of you guys actually ever had deep fried? Yes. and I, I haven't. I've never done it myself, but I have friends that are just obsessed with it. And, and for years, we'd have like a Friendsgiving party and always they'd do it. And it was amazing. That thing would be picked clean. They would do more than one. Both would be eaten. Oh, we're talking about like man. maybe a party, 20, 30 people, and we're devouring up a couple of birds. That it's sounds so, so good. Delicious. You inject it with butter. Uh, it, oh, it gets so juicy Just inject me with butter. <laughs> so yeah, deep fried uh, turkey for that pick. And then my next one... I got to get my potato out of the way, and I'm going garlic mashed potatoes on that one. You know, probably like a little bit of the skins in there too. Uh, so yeah, I'm going. I'm going with the uh, garlic mash. Well, it's 2023. It's not the skins anymore. It's the commanders. Get it right. <laughs> <laughs> As a side, and this is where I think it might get a little controversial, because I, for one, am not a huge fan of this meal. I'm not one that particularly enjoys the way this is cooked on this particular day. Although there are times where I believe this athlete performs better. I just don't think they could be the lead on your team. They cannot be the Batman. They're more the Robin. And that is why I'm going with... 
honey glazed ham as my side. Whoa, whoa. He's doing an entree. Interesting. He's Ham as a side? Ham as a side. So it is not the main entree. It's not a big old ham. Again, in our family, there's a lot of pork that's already been eaten. So the ham isn't the... Uh, resistance, the, yeah, the piece yeah. of resistance. The turkey still is that in our main. So if you're looking at what the centerpiece is, some families, it's a big old ham, piece of ham out there. My family's a nice piece of honey glazed ham. Even though, again, I'm not a big fan, but I understand it's a uh, it's a want, and the market demands it, and that's what the marketing team wants. So far, no carbohydrates in the Mercado mm-hmm. Thanksgiving table. Mm-hmm. How do you think he stays so skinny? Yeah, well, that ain't it. Because <laughs> that's a lie. <laughs> that whole statement's a lie. Watch us on YouTube. Devin, you got back-to-back, bud. Oh, I think for activity, I'm... I'm going to say casually watching football. Okay, so sitting on, sitting on the couch watching one. football. It's there. You know, you're not 100. Oh. You're not fully invested in the ah, game. Casual. Okay, I like, like it. I like it. Yeah, my stepbrother's a Lions fan, so the, the past few years on Thanksgiving, you know, when it was Bears Lions, we would mostly trash talk each other. And then it's like, oh yeah, that's right. There is a football game that we're actually talking about. <laughs> I like it. Casually watching football instead of everyone engrossed in the game or going to the game or like their team is playing. Okay. For dessert here, I'm going to go with homemade cookies. Homemade Ooh, cookies. that's right. nice. I'm going to try to up that dessert, and with my pick, I'm going to go with key lime pie. Interesting. Ooh, all right. Paulie, back-to-back. Right. Homemade or Baker Square? Homemade. So i got to get some sides out of the way. We're going uh, homemade green bean casserole. That's delicious. And like you know, we're not we're not buying the uh, French's uh, onions to put on top, but you could do that. But you know, we're going the whole real deal. You know, the actual mushrooms, not canned mushrooms. So green bean casserole. I think for activity, we're gonna go with turkey bowl. We're gonna we're gonna play some football in the backyard. That's nice. That's a good one. That's Paul a strong one. A great long snapper. Yeah, you guys both uh, picked the activity that I think most of us love or want to be able to love as we're doing right. I have to go with the potato finally, and I think this is one that's totally unhealthy for you, but it is scalloped potatoes that are just drenched with cheese. Okay. It's so like a scalloped au gratin. Yeah, or just, like just a... full of yellow American cheddar cheese okay. just melting on it and just clogging up your arteries with all the horrible stuff that us Americans like. All right. Dad, all right. my heart hurts. Good. All right, Devin, we need uh, an entree and a side from you, and you, you're finished out. Okay. I guess I'll go with deviled eggs for my side. Okay. You know what? For my Mr. Irrelevant, for my entree, I'm going to go with a tofu turkey like they made on Everybody Loves Rain. boy. For all our vegan listeners here on WCPT. Let's wow, go. And an unprecedented move. Turkey taken by all three draftees. Mitch Trubisky has been picked before Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. It has happened. Devin has done it. My activity, man. We're going Rock shopping. Three. Going shopping. Okay. That's my last pick. Are the All stores right. open on Thanksgiving? Or are you talking Black Friday? Black Friday shopping, and it's 2023. Everything's open now. They don't. We're all heathens. Actually, ever since the pandemic, Walmart's closed now. We'll all find right. out. We'll see. I didn't put any thought into my side. I guess you can go anywhere with this, and this was never on our Thanksgiving table. But I think this would be kind of the ultimate baller Southern person move. Biscuits and gravy is side two. Oh, that's breakfast. But that's delicious. I can. That is so good. Oh, that is delicious. But that's like your roll, and like, yeah. you know, like and then you get like a sausage gravy to go go with it. You're right. It's breakfast. Uh, so it's, good. I'm going in an unprecedented move. The Mister Irrelevant for this entire draft it. is biscuits and gravy. All right. Nobody saw coming. It's great. And, and you know what? What I love about this is it's just this is why the holidays are great, right? It's all about family. It's all about eating. It's all about good times, and it's all about trying to reflect and trying to appreciate what you have in your life. I think what we should do really fast is let's go through our draft boards, and then I got something 
something really fast before we head out. So, uh, Paulie, what, uh, what did you? Let me see your draft board. All Where right, did you go? So we're eating deep fried turkey, and on the side you got garlic mashed, green bean casserole, biscuits and gravy. For dessert, we got homemade pumpkin pie. Uh, but maybe we should do the activity first because we're playing some football today. Let's go, Devin. How's your Thanksgiving board look like? I don't even remember. Devin, Devin is eating a tofu turkey with sweet potatoes, homemade traditional stuffing, deviled eggs, homemade cookies, and hey, we got the football games going Let's on. Let's go. And I have an oven roasted turkey, tamales, honey glazed ham, a cheddar cheese potato. What would we call oh. it? Scallops? Yeah, scallop scallops. potatoes with is cheese. Is that the way yeah. you would say it? Is I that the proper scal- way? Is it wedges? Potatoes, yeah. Is that how we would say it here? Like if it's just like little little chips of, of yeah, baked potatoes? It, what cutting, is that considering? You're cutting in like like chips, but they're like thick. You know, yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. that's scallop potatoes with cheese. Oh, yeah. that sounds yeah. so good. I want that for dinner tonight. And we're going to have some key lime pie. When we're all done. We're going shopping. Getting those deals. So what actually happens on Thanksgiving? What is your plate going to look like? My oh, friend. my plate, That some of that stuff life. made it on there. Um, yeah. Maybe not garlic mashed unless my wife's making them. She loves doing that. Mm. Definitely green bean casserole, but it all, it's also my wife, and I love that. We're definitely not doing deep fried turkey, probably. This year it's ham, uh, but normally I would do like an oven roasted turkey. I'm talking about smoking some chicken this oh. year, so we'll see what happens. Love it. Devlin, what's your plate going to actually look like? Other than the stuffing, probably none of the stuff I actually said here. I mean, I definitely like a lot of, you know, turkey meat, stuffing. I go for like crazy... Oh, God, I got to think, what else is there usually on the table? <laughs> That's a good question. I am going to go all the turkey, some tamales, arroso gondoles, some rice with some chicken on it that my abuela makes. Uh, my mom is going to make some flan, and we're going to have ourselves a good time. I love the white meat. White What's or it? dark meat? Oh, dark, always. A little bit of both, honestly. Let us know your thoughts. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy holidays. It's a fun time here on the Sports Keep Go. He's Paul Shavari. He's Devin Singo. I'm Mike Mercado. That will do it for another episode of the Sports Cubicle. I want to thank my co-host, Devin Tingle, Mike Mercado, Dan Marver. I'm Paul Shavari. Thank you this week to Lee Steinberg and Kyle Jowdry for joining us on the show. We'll be back next week, Sunday nights, 9 p.m. on WCPT 820 in Chicago. But you can find us on SoundCloud and all over the Internet. We are the Sports Cubicle. Follow us on Twitter at Sports Cubicle TV. So long. We'll see you next week. Seriously? It's Thanksgiving weekend. You didn't say you're thankful for. You just said thanks. Get the bleep out of here. Gave it away. Show? Show?